When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. Um, my name is Marcus Diggs. I um, been operating Hot Diggity Dog D Bordeaux for uh, half my life now since uh, the early '90s. Um, what got me started on this journey was um, I, I I just wanted a dog. I just needed a dog. Um, the shepherd mix I had was getting old. And uh, just was looking for a dog to replace him. And I thought I wanted a Rottweiler and went and searched for a Rottweiler when I ran into uh, a dog, Deep or Dope. And um, pretty much, yeah, been hooked from that point on. Um, eventually bought him and um, never really trained him. He pretty much trained me. And, um, when I learned they only live eight to 10 years, that's what I was told at the time. Um, I felt that wasn't long enough and I, uh, I thought it wasn't a bad idea to get him a girlfriend. <laughs> Who <laughs> did I know? Right. What was the initial, uh, like what hooked you on the doggy Bordeaux? What was it about their personality that you really took to? Well, it was it was the look of him for one, just the look of him. Um, when I saw him, he had pretty much taken residence up on a bed and was laying there, looking like an old prize fighter or something. And um, yeah, what initially attracted me was was definitely his look. Um, there was a Rottweiler puppy there too, but um, I didn't think he even compared to the Bordeaux. Um, yeah, it was it was um, definitely the look of him that attracted me <clears throat> at first. Um, I took him home, and it wasn't easy getting him home. I fought with him all the way. Um, got him home, and I, I tied him to a tree. I left him there. Came and fed him. Gave him some water. Thought I'd take him out for some training. I got about half a block, and I figured training was over. The dog listened to everything I said, and uh, yeah, he, from that point on, he was pretty much my riding partner, my companion. We went um, everywhere together. Um, well, after getting him, yeah, I, I got into the history of the breed, find out what I could about him. Um, and they have a pretty interesting history, um, depending on who you listen to. Um, they trace them back to the molasses of Epirus, um, which is pretty much um, where all the big dogs pretty much get traced back to. Recent history, um, I was taught that um, they were near extinction. Um, the The wars in France 
um, pretty much brought about their extinction um, between the French Revolution and World War II. They pretty much went extinct, and it's said that everyone is descendant today from um, three pairs that survived after the war. Um, I'm thinking before the war, there was more variations too. Before the war, they took three different types of, of mastiffs in France and they combined them into one standard. And that's basically what the Bordeaux is today. Um, those three pretty much mixed into one one standard breed and uh that's what we're dealing with today um the, the different types in the breed come from those um three initial hybrids that were mixed <clears throat> what were said to be the breeds within those um first three um well they were all they were all um, mastiffs out of France. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I um, man, it's been a while since I referenced them. But you had the Parisian, uh, you had the Toulouse, and and the Bordeaux, which were three distinctive types. Um, I, I forget the variations in them, but one was one was smaller boned, one had a, a um, scissor bite. Um, they say there was one with um, multiple colors in it, and they say there was even a miniature one that's um, supposed to be extinct today. Um, and there's no real good references to what that miniature was all about. People mm-hmm. have a lot of um, different theories about what that was. You do get Bordeaux today who weigh in at less than 70 pounds, um, but there's people who think that the... Um, Pinkanese or something would be uh, the miniature Bordeaux from back then. Hmm. You know, so the, a lot of different theories, you know, um, a lot of speculation, but um, yeah, they go way back and um, got a lot of history to them. Um, what they are today is pretty much basically those three types of mastiffs that were in France. Um, I said mixed into one standard and and that's pretty much what we've been playing with today trying to take those three and put them into one one standard which uh <laughs> i don't know it, it, uh, you can see do you, i see a lot of variations in them oh uh-huh. uh, if everybody else does but um i see the differences in them and i find it uh i don't know intriguing fascinating it's it's you know it's been interesting to play with them because I see I see all types out of my lines. You know, I see uh, smaller bone ones. I see bigger bone ones. You know, I produced a puppy who weighed in at 194. You know, they haven't been that big in like 100 years now. But um, you know, I, I disowned that one when he came out. I think he was um, 120 at six months. I think that's when I disowned him. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, and I've had small ones, too. It's like the, the first female I got, I never bred her, but she she was a 65-pound adult. And uh, I always um, kind of regret it 
having her fixed and not and not breeding her and trying to bring a miniature version back into being. But uh, I don't know. Later, I got I, I had a hundred pound one who looked just like that sixty five pound one, and I I bred the hundred pound, and she's still she's still a small poor dog, you know. The sixty five pounder was something else. Wow. She had she had endless um, vitality to her. She'd run all day. Wow. Yeah. She'd retire, you know. She'd run as much as you could run her. <laughs> So what was the the original jobs that they had in France? Well, they say, um, you know, some people say their history goes back 5,000 years. So as far as the tasks they've had throughout history, um, it's been varied. You know, they say they've been warriors. They've been um, travelers, mercenaries, um, shepherds, and... um, I guess they got the nickname the butcher dog in France from, uh, you know, from the butchers caring for them. But um, they drove cattle to, to market, so I guess that's where that name came from. Um, I've seen pictures of them working like um, the Red Cross during the war and, and moving bodies and what have you, taking them to the hospital and things like that. Um, Various various jobs throughout history, mm-hmm. you know, guard dogs. You know, so they used to protect the wealthy in France, but they say the um, after the war it was the peasants' dogs that survived. It's like it's the uh, the elite in France pretty much lost their dogs and probably their lives too in the process. What is the AKC standard today, and how does that compare to, say, 40, 50 years ago? <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 You're going to get me in all kinds of trouble now. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to the um, <laughs> the AKC standard. Um, you know, from what I've heard, I, I I didn't really like their interpretation of the dog, um, as far as temperament and and build and a lot of things. I don't think AKC really got right on the dog. I thought that um, the AKC standard made the the Bordeaux sound more like a bull mastiff, and um, the bull mastiff is described, in my opinion, more like a Bordeaux. Um, as far as the old standard goes, um, a lot of things have changed. I don't think they're, they're, um, supposed to get as big today as they were in the old standard. And, um, other than that, you know, other than that, like I said, the variations are pretty much what, um, throws any of the standards off Mm -hmm. um, taking the three types of breed of dog that they use to make the standard, I don't think any of the dogs can really fulfill it. You know, I think all of them end up showing um, attributes from one of the other lines that were that were combined to make the standard in the first place. But I think it's a little tricky for any of them to really fit into it 
and be a perfect Bordeaux. You know, they say they say there's no perfect dogs. I, I tend to say, well, I think, you know, the dogs are perfect for somebody. You know, they they may not be perfect according to the standard, but I think all these dogs are perfect for somebody. And end up, you know, I I hear more often than anything else, you know, what great dogs I, I've given people as puppies. You know, everybody thinks they're the greatest dog they've ever had. So, you know, and that's pretty much um, what keeps me hooked on this breed. You know, initially I just wanted to keep one dog in my house. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. They're, uh, they're interesting and they're very... Uh, very compelling mm-hmm. and I don't think I had a, had one in the house since I bought him a girlfriend <laughs> and they just kept going up I had I had a baker's dozen in that yard at one point wow, wow. yeah it was, it was quite an interesting collection I, I have to say so myself right so I've seen all types um their temperaments seem to be pretty even. Um, I haven't had any that fall fall out of the standard um, temperament, which seems to be um, pretty um, pretty reserved for the most part. Um, they're not very aggressive with their protection. You know, they're they're um, they're much more happy um, stopping a situation with their bark and what have you than rather getting any more physical with it. Um, Other aggressive dogs are probably the biggest issue with them. Um, They tend to expect respect from other dogs. Um, They usually get it. If they don't, then then that tends to be the biggest issue with these guys is other dogs that are um, as dominant an attitude as they have. Do you participate in the um, the dog show world? Um, not anymore. I think I've participated once. Once since um, AKC got into it. Okay. I went to. I'm, I'm thinking the first AKC show I went to. I didn't bring a dog, and there was um, six of my puppies were there being presented at the dog show. And I just went in and enjoyed the show. It's like, I was like, I, I can't lose. I had, I had half a dozen of my puppies in the ring that day. Wow. <laughs> Wasn't even expecting it, you know? I just happened to show up and, you know, found six of my dogs entered. That's awesome. And then um, the last time I went, I took a puppy in. Um, it was quite the story. Um, I, I, I was late. He let me in without getting a ticket, asked me what breed I had. I told him, he said, well, they're going in the ring. You better hurry. I had forgot my lead and, and everything else for this dog. I bought a lead, rushed them into the ring, and ended up, this was, um, I forget how old this puppy was, maybe five, five, six months or so. But I ended up getting best in breed puppy with her. Wow. <laughs> And after winning that, I figured, you know, I figured I'd retire again. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I didn't see any need to try to uh, top that feat, you know? (laughs) Um, Well, I never thought I was um, 
you know, the, the like Westminster kind of guy, you know? Yeah. I think, you know, and before AKC, we used to go to um, American Rare Breed. Right. We used to have a lot of the dog shows. And I thought they were a lot more fun. I could show up in my, my jeans and my sneakers and show my dog and win. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I thought it was more enjoyable then. I don't know that AKC isn't. I'm just, you know, I was accustomed to that. And um, it stopped doing that for a while, too. Just other things in life, yeah. you know, kind of took me in another direction. And um, even before AKC started, I, I stopped showing with Arba. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed those shows, you know. They were they were a good time. I I didn't really care if my dog won or not. I knew what my dogs represent, you know. Um, like showing them off. Um, rather surprised to win when I did win, but I usually did a lot of winning mm-hmm. during during Arba, and it was it was usually a, a good time at those shows. What is the standard that you look for within your program? Wow. Um, <laughs> um, well, my first my first male would be my standard. Um, very intelligent. Um, I, I I didn't have to speak to him. Um, like um, he picked up on hand signals and just just feelings. Um, he could read me. Um, he didn't. He wasn't very trusting, especially of males. Um, I don't know. He was. He was. A, he was a special character. He stood. He stood twenty nine inches at the withers, which is too tall for the standard. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a twenty nine inch head, which was perfect for his height. Um, you know, according to the standard. Um, very athletic, strong, as an intelligent, um, even tempered. Uh, he snored a lot. <laughs> he was a heavy snorer. Um, but man, he, he loved babies. He used to chase women with baby strollers. He'd insist, <laughs> he'd insist on sh- seeing that baby, you know, didn't care that the mom was having a heart attack. He wanted to see that baby. Um, like I said, other dogs would give him respect. Shepherds and Roddies would bow down to him. Um, he was he was an impressive, I tell everybody, he was an old soul. I may not see him again, but I know he'll be back because I know he was here before. He knew too much. I, I couldn't teach him anything. He already knew too much. He was something else. Like I said, he started all this. And I don't know if, um, I think I've had a couple dogs since him that were close to him that had his potential but with multiple dogs in the house i never saw anybody actually equal him you know like i said he me and him he could read me like a book he he knew you know he 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 just i don't know something about his instincts he knew yeah you'd have to go way back with the um the older standards i i think to see something like him yeah think they really cover him you know in the new standard i think he'd be disqualified 
he'd be too tall. Maybe not, though. He was so beautiful. It's like, you, there's not a whole lot of things that would um, get him thrown out of the ring. Mm-hmm. You know, he was um, he was a pretty amazing specimen. Everybody thought so. He only weighed 120 pounds. But um, nobody ever guessed his weight at less than 150. That's just the type of presence he had. Mm-hmm. I said he had a massive head. He had a huge chest. He had no waistline. And he could jump six feet high. You know, it's like um, the, the athleticism, I think you lose in a lot of the, the dogs today. Um, or something else. If it's not the athleticism, you know, you'll lose, you'll lose other things, you know. You'll lose girth. You'll lose weight. You know, it's like... I said, I think there's too many variations in this breed to really have a perfect specimen. But um, yeah, Conan, he was um, he was pretty close. If he wasn't it, he had to be pretty close. But like I said, by today's standard, I think he'd be pretty close to being disqualified too. I try to, I try to, I, I, I used to say that I had the best rear ends in the country. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, and, and seeing that the lines I dealt with, um, my females came out of um, Stephen Wendy Norris's place, um, Norris Place Kennels, and um, she pretty much concentrated on soundness. Um, so I think I inherited that and kind of um, insist on that. It's something I took for granted at first, um, but um, as time goes on, 30 years later, I see it's it's something that um you know you could easily lose too you've got to you got to put a bit of effort on that but the rear end I always thought was the dog's best attribute um the strength in their hindquarters and their soundness um the thing that's been elusive to me is um Conan's head is is something that um is a rare find you know I said he had a 29 inch head I forget if it was Curly or, or who it was that showed me a dog who had a 32-inch head. <laughs> and I, I I wanted to use him for stud, but I um, when I saw him in person, I decided I couldn't. Um, I, had, I had told him at the time that um, I wasn't, he, he warned me about the rear end of the dog. And I told him I wasn't worried about the rear end because I had the best rear ends around. I was looking to put that, that right head on top of it. So um, when I saw this dog, yeah, he had absolutely no rear end on him. It's mm-hmm. like uh, it's like he didn't even have hind legs, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like maybe half a hind leg. Um, and, and he scared me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I figured I'd, I'd do without the head, you know, rather than mess with the rear end like that. You know, I couldn't do it. What are some of the faults that you see in a lot of Bordeaux programs that you try to avoid? Well, the faults are, well, I, I guess you got to start with the head. The head type, um, yeah, the, and, and like I said, the, the variations in them, are going to give you variations in everything and mm-hmm. the head is their main focal point and that's the thing you got to first start with is um you got to have a nice head it's got to be um it's 
symmetrical trapezoid um, and they're not always that way um, you know the size the size is another thing that um they don't mention much anymore but the Bordeaux when I first got into them was supposed to be recognized as having the largest head of any dog of its size I don't hear I don't hear that mentioned much anymore the dog isn't that much of a um of a, of a prime point with them anymore. Um, I don't know why it kind of went to the wayside, but that used to be the main issue with the dogs. You know, the big head was, was everything. Um, not so much anymore. Um, they're judging more of the whole dog these days. Um, you know, the movement, the strength, the musculature, um, the wrinkles, you know, the loose skin, all of that seems to play a part. Um, as far as the faults that, that present themselves, I would think every program's gonna gonna present with with some faults here and there. Mm-hmm. Oh, because like I said, just because of the variations, all the dogs are gonna um this this last litter I had, I felt it covered the whole gamut of um what's in the dogs today. I think I had all types of body types. And um yeah, I think it covered the whole the whole gamut. You know, from from the, the smaller smaller bone, little, you know, athletic types mm-hmm. uh, to um the the the, the low standing, wide bodied, you know I don't know what, what you'd call them. Um, you know, just the, the typical, what people think of as a massive type, just a big thug, you know? Um, yeah, it ran the whole gamut. I've had, um, yeah, from athletic males to, to wide chested males to oversized and, uh, and, and, and big girls to little, you know, little fast ones, um. I think you get that in all these these um, programs, mm-hmm. like it or not. You know, you're gonna you're gonna see portions of all that come through. I don't think anybody's really standardized this breed yet. You yeah. know, is I mean, this the standard's one thing, but I don't think anybody breeds true to that standard. I think everybody who breeds gets things that are are. are way off from what the standard tells you it should be right and that that just comes from their history and what's in them right you know there's a lot of things that are in them i think triquette said you're supposed to be looking out for all those um all those recessive genes you know to present themselves um supposedly there was a brindle um and, and other things that haven't been seen in um, a long, long time, you know, or if they have been seen, they probably haven't been believed. Mm-hmm. I, I saw one litter, I think out of Ohio, that was supposed to be um, a, a red brindle. And um, from what I saw, yeah, I couldn't say it wasn't. Right. It looked like a, a, a reddish, like a reddish blonde, a brindle type coat don't know how they did it where it came from you know supposed to be pure 
I can't say it's not. Right. It used to be there. So if that's what it was, I would have, you know, I think I would have took it a lot further than um, pictures on Facebook mm-hmm. and got Chiquette out to my place or something to have him take a look and tell me what he thought. Like I had a, I had a black mass puppy once, um, and and Triquette came and he judged the nationals. And I, I brought this this black mass dog out there to see him. And um, Buck was um, Isabella in color, with a black mask. And he was he was thin boned, um, very athletic. Um, and Triquette judged him. Um, he came out to the middle of the class. He passed four or five red dogs, came to me, and he judged Buck. <laughs> and everything he said about Buck, he said Buck was excellent from head to toe. He said, definitely Bordeaux. And he said, but it's his color. He goes, his color, his color was like the golden Isabella, lightest I've ever seen. Um, and he said his color, he goes, his, but because of his color, he goes, I wouldn't breed him. I couldn't disagree with anything he said. You know, I brought him out there to get his opinion, but everything he said, I pretty much had the same feeling about. His color was what I questioned the most. Mm-hmm. And he said, because of his color, he wouldn't breed him. And, uh, I had I had never had, had Buck out of my yard, but I took him around the ring. He told me to take him around, and when I took Buck around the ring, Buck walked the ring like he was um, a show horse or something, high stepping, <laughs> <laughs> head up, high stepping. It's like on our way in, everybody was like, "Is that a Bordeaux? Is that a Bordeaux?" When I took him around the ring, he was like some kind of show horse going around the ring, you know, head up every step you know amplified it's like exaggerated every step he took it was something else to see i didn't know i was like where'd this dog come from i, I couldn't even recognize him at that point and um at the end of it after he judged all the red dogs the cat stood back and he said um he said i'm not going to award a ribbon to this class and i screamed <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Because when he told me, he said he wouldn't use Buck for breeding. I looked to my left at the red dogs to my left, and I looked to the red dogs to my right, and I looked back at him, and I just thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, but you're still going to have to give me that ribbon. <laughs> right. But but at the end he didn't give anybody a ribbon. He said this this class is a bust. I'm not giving this class a winner. And he walked out of the ring. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I'm like, wow, that's right. That's the right decision. After what he told me, he had no other choice. He couldn't give he couldn't give one of those other dogs placement above Buck. Right. Isabella or not, he was the best dog in the ring. Wow. He already said as much. He said he was excellent, head to toe, everything perfect. Yeah, that's I never, good. I never read him. Hmm. Do you I reg- never read him. Do you regret never, that? Um, I regret a lot of things. Yeah. Um, but um, no, I made my decision, 
And um, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't just that. It's like there was other circumstances that arose, and um, yeah. But I never regret him. Yeah, I, I regret not seeing what I might have been able to do with him. You know what he would have produced and everything. But um, I don't know. It wasn't meant to be. Right. I kind of followed what your cat said. You know, he said it looks too much like a bull man is what he said. He says, we don't want to be confused with the bullmaster. Right. So I wouldn't read him. I'm like, oh, well. <laughs> Whatever. That black mask, though, is, is from the bullmaster. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, the bullmaster slipped in there, the Neapolitan is st- slipped in, you know, and who knows what else is slipped into these bloodlines. Right. But they know those two are in there. At some point, they got in. I'd have to say, um, I think the current issue would be um, liver problems. You know, that's 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 my that's the best I can come up with. Is um, liver issues are probably one of the biggest concerns. And, and one of the things that are, I try to uh, avoid the most would be any type of liver issues. So, um, you know, I think I think that is the catalyst to a lot of the other issues you see in the dog. So I think if you can keep the liver in good health, you can keep the dog in good health. And if the liver goes bad, then, yeah, the dog's going to follow but um, I don't think the health issues we have today are anything like what um, was around 30 years ago. I think there was a lot more health issues back then. I used to lose a lot of dogs to bloat. And um, it took years, but um, I think I think I've solved that problem for the most part. 90, 90, 95% of that problem. And I think the problem with bloat was um, with the kibble food that we feed dogs today. I think the kibble um, being a dry food um, is, is what causes the problem. Um, I found that, that moistening the food and letting it expand before you feed it to them seems to alleviate that problem that easily. Um, you know, I do, I, I use raised dishes too. That may have helped, but I think just um, moistening the dry food um, does a lot to eliminate the problems they have with bloat. Um, the other issues like heart issues and and, and um, they used to say um, seizures too, but I don't know if anybody's been able to really track the problems with um, seizures in these dogs. They said they tried to they tried to um, do a study on it and trace it to a bloodline, but I don't know if that ever went very far. Um, I seem to have more dogs that um, have um, like the twitches in their sleep, mm-hmm. like um, the dreaming dog. You know, they're running and chasing and stuff in their sleep, mm-hmm. uh, and I wonder how much of that I see that every now and then and I wonder if that was ever confused with um, 
you know, seizures in a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't seen the seizures, but I've seen a lot of the um, the twitching in their dreams. Um, and and some of them, they're very vibrant twitching and kicking in their in their sleep. Um, what other issues? The skin issues, I've never really had a problem with. Um, every now and then, somebody calls me with, um, like, um, a dog having allergies or a reaction to something. Um, I'm thinking one party spent thousands on tests, and I think they, they finally said it was um, the mulch around the tree was um, what they were reacting to. But um, never really seen any issues that were prevalent, you know. Every now and then you have an anomaly that jumps out at you, you know, where you'll have one with a skin issue, um, heart issue, hip issue, you know, but they're far and few between. Um, you know, so most, of my, most of my dogs are very athletic. You know, they fly. Um, I don't know if, I don't know if um, all, the, all the programs can say as much. But um, I take pride in how athletic mine are. Their temperaments are great. Um, their intelligence, like I said, they're, stu- they're stubborn. That's probably, you know, one of their, their biggest attributes. Is these guys are very hard-headed, very stubborn. Um, and, and the big C, I guess, as far as health issues, cancer, mm-hmm. uh, I think the first 10 years, maybe 15 years, I, I never saw that. Um, what I did see at that time was, um, I said I lost I lost quite a few to bloat. Um, yeah, that was that was the biggest culprit um, in the beginning. Um, maybe that's why I didn't see cancer. It's because um, you know the ones passed you know, from bloat long before, you know, you'd be worried about cancer. But cancer seemed to start creeping in maybe maybe 15 years ago. I started to see that pop its head up. I still don't see it often, but every that um, a lymphoma, what's the brain tumor? Had one with a brain tumor. Well, actually, two with a brain tumor. Um, the second one, they did a laser surgery on her and they got two and a half more years out of her, um, state of the art type procedure. They, they went in with lasers and, um, removed her tumor and, um, that dog lived to 12 and a half. Um, but I said, it took, it took laser surgery to get her there. Um, Answers, I don't, I don't know, but um, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if those don't fall back to like liver and um, organ issues to begin with. Too, um, I said that's that's the thing I, I concentrate on most these days is um, trying to keep the liver in good health. I think if you can do that, then you're pretty golden. I said I, I expect to get ten years out of my dogs. A lot of them fall short. Uh, yeah, some of them make it past that. I've had 11, um, a few 12-year-olds at this point. 
one that was close to 13. Um, the girls tend to give you more longevity than the boys, especially um, girls who aren't bred very often, you know. If you if you have none or, or just one litter out of a girl, I think um, she's, she's bound to give you a longer lifespan. Um, the boys... The boys are pretty hard pressed to get to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually fall short of that ten-year mark. It's kind of hard to get them over that threshold. Um, I've had a couple make it past ten, um, but I said most of them, the majority of them, don't don't see ten years of age. What do you think the culprit of the, the liver issue is? Um, I said that's another question that could get me in trouble. When I when I first started, the breeder the breeder who bred my first Bordeaux um, used to tell me that um, he said um, he told me don't go overboard with vaccinations. He said, these dogs have been around for thousands of years without our help. <laughs> and, and they really don't need all those shots, you know, which is just some advice he gave me, you know, one day and, you know, just, just chatting with him. Um, about 10 years later, um, the industry started, started pulling back on the vaccinations. They started giving them later. <laughs> There's some that they stopped giving, you know, and um, it's like the whole their whole protocol changed, which which makes me think that, um, yeah, he was right with the vaccines. They changed their whole protocol. It's like, you know, it went from like uh, a three week shot, three weeks old to they didn't want you giving it till it was six weeks old, you know, and uh they started playing with the shots like that. So I think the shots and the, you know, just the vaccination protocols we give them may have an effect. I think the antibiotics and stuff, we're quick to feed them, have, have an adverse effect. I think pain meds have an adverse effect on them. Um, you know, I think, you know, and even, you know, I like to supplement the food I feed them. And um, I think even that can have an adverse effect on the liver. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you overdo the supplements, you know, any of that can um, have an ill effect on them. Um, the the raw food has has taken off, and um, I've tried that at one point, but I thought it was, um, you know, for for my program, it was a bit much for me to. Um, to feed raw, um, raw means you you've got to pretty much warm them regularly. Um, that's another thing I don't really believe in is the, um, the warming them um, excessively. I think also causes liver damage. Um, so raw, you know, I don't know. It's like um, some say if you feed raw consistently and do it right, then there's no need to worm them, um, and that may be true, but I don't think it's it's as easy as that. I think um, I think we pretty much geared these guys into being domestic, 
and then taking them back to a raw diet, I think may be a little more to it than people realize. Um, and I don't know what the right combination is right now. I think canned food may be a, a good alternative to both the dry and the raw, the problems with dry food and raw food that feeding canned may be the way to go. But, um, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still feeding dry. I think the, the dry food has come a long way. Um, just in the 30 years I've had these dogs, I think they've, they've gone leaps and bounds um, from where they were to where they are now. I think you can get a lot more um, decent dry foods these days. Um, the canned food... Um, I'm thinking we probably should have never gotten off of canned food. That was probably the way to feed them all along. Um, they say we only went to dry food because of World War II. We needed the, the, the metal um, for other things other than cans of dog food. Um, that's when we came up with dry dog food. And I think that was probably a, a big milestone in the um, the history of these these dogs, these domesticated animals. Some dry dog food, a little bit of water, mix it together, you know, to where, you know, just to where the, um, you know, the kibble is wet, you know, is moist. Right. Not, you know, you don't soak it. Um, if you soak it, I think it would take, you know, it would probably ruin their appetite. I don't know if they'd eat it if it was super soaked, but right. I just moisten it a bit just to you know, make sure it's it's wet, you know, and I mix that up with, um, you know, I might throw some chia seeds or some turmeric or, or, you know, some plantain or something else in there or even some, some wet food, some bone broth or mm-hmm. something. And I mix it up and um, let them have it from there. Um, but, yeah, I've been thinking about the canned food. Just thinking, just trying to figure out how feasible it is. That's a lot of cans if I'm going to be, you know, half a dozen masters with canned food. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I get, I get your dilemma for sure, and I would do the same if I was in your, in your shoes. Um, yeah, I get younger either, just carrying all those cans around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm hoping everybody, you know, realizes that now that you know the drug, the dry dog food, you know. If you're gonna feed dry, you gotta you gotta moisten it. You can't just feed it to them dry. You gotta moisten it first, let it expand, and you know, let it sit a minute before you feed it to them. Let it expand a bit before you let them go after dry food like that. Yeah, I'm gonna start doing that actually. If I run out of the second food, yeah, don't feed the dry. You know, yeah. Dry- you have to feed them dry. You got to moisten it a little first. Yep. Especially with these guys, you know. Yeah. Like I said, I used, I used to lose quite a few of these guys to bloat. Right. And ever since I started wetting their food, I haven't had an issue. I think I've lost one since then. And, and she was pregnant and fence chasing when I lost her. Yes. So, yes. so it wasn't the food. I think it was all the activity. She's running around like, like a bat out of hell and uh carrying a big load and i think that's what kind of messed her up yeah what does your kennel setup look like and what's the reasoning behind that 
statistics, huh? Yeah. Well, that's that's funny because um, it's like um, my kennel setup is pretty much any way she wants it to go. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I have no say. Um, you know, I mean, I've pretty much thrown in the towel on that. Um, I've got I've got a fence yard, you know, so they've got room to run. Um, I, I used to have separate quarters outside for them, but um, I don't know, my, my dog house has ended up destroyed. So, you know, they've got the separate quarters, but there's not a whole lot of shelter out there. I think I've got one or two small dog houses left. Um, and um, they, these guys pretty much stay in the house these days, you know? It's like, um, it's me, her, and, and yeah, everybody sleeps inside at night. You know, even if they, even if they'd rather be outside most of the time, because mm-hmm. she'll let them in again and again. It's like, I can't win. It's like, it's her house. Hey. <laughs> it's her house, and, um, yeah, I'm just waiting for the, you know, for the, the time when she tells us, me and the dogs to get out. It means it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they seem to be happy, you know, um, all over the house. And yeah. they're all inside at night. That's not how I would do it. It's like when I started, um, yeah, they stayed outside. Conan, Conan would sleep outside my bedroom window. Mm-hmm. And I, I could hear him through the walls, even in midwinter. The house is closed up tight. It's like I could hear him snoring right through the wall. And uh, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, you could you could hear him clearly. Um, but um, yeah, for the first first ten years or so, yeah, these guys were all raised outside. Um, even my puppies. My puppies at about three weeks old started spending the nights outside. Um, and I'm here in Connecticut, even in the wintertime. They'd be outside at about three, four weeks old. They'd be spending the nights outside. Um, I think it made them healthier. I think it, it, it built their immunity, made them, made them, I think it made them a lot of things. Um, just acclimating them at that, that age, I think, um, did a lot for him overall. Um, and if, if I had it my way, yeah, they'd still have quarters outside. I, I had dog houses. I'd keep cedar chips in them. It would keep them warm in the winter, keep them dry, um, and they keep them cool in the summer. Um, and that's how I'd like to raise them. But they said, I've, I've been... Um, I said, well, I moved into her house like 20 years ago, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's all a done deal now. Everybody's inside. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, uh, I think acclimating them is, um, yeah, I think it's good for them. They, they prefer the cold right. to the heat of summer, you know? Right. I mean, they'll lay out in the snow all day, playing it all day. It's like, um, I, I had a puppy once, um, man, about three, four months old. And I went to work, 14-hour shift, 
and I, I, I left for work and I forgot to bring this puppy in. And she was only a few months old. And, and it just so happened that um, there was already a foot of snow on the ground. And um, that night, it got to what I think it was 26 below zero that night. Wow. As the wind chill. <laughs> and I'm 14 hours at work, and, and <laughs> I'm beside myself. I'm thinking, I just killed this puppy. Right. I, I left her out there all night. I don't know if she's going to survive. And I, I, I rushed home the morning after my shift, and I run out back, and this puppy is out, and she's playing in the snow. <laughs> all by herself, rollicking around, jumping and playing and rolling in the snow. <laughs> and she runs over to me, and she jumps up, and puts her paws in my hands and and it felt like I had just grabbed hold of a, of a hot radiator wow and she jumped and put her paws in my hand it's like her paws were generating their own heat it's like steam coming off of her hands off of her paws I couldn't believe it it's like it's like they had their own heat stress. she's out running in the snow and when she jumped on me her, her paws are hot do that but mine are usually born inside yeah yeah no at about a month old yeah i start moving them outside start getting used to the outdoors yeah oh wow how are they uh how are they outside that's interesting because i've 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 always been a little too scared to go there (laughs) yeah no i would be too i couldn't do it it's too easy to lose these guys yeah yeah can't see it <laughs> but they, they're all born inside i had i had one litter i did outside but it was springtime and the the weather was perfect it was like you know it was like 70 degrees tops you know mm-hmm. and uh I, I figured it was a perfect time for her to whelp out outdoors so i let her have her you know she had already dug her little hole outside and i let her have the puppies outside and it was perfect. <laughs> it, it was the best litter ever. The best whelping, easiest, carefree mm-hmm. whelping I have ever had. Couldn't have asked for anything more. But that spring, that you know, that gave me that perfect day to have those puppies outside. Before that spring, we had a winter that we had no snow. Mm. We never had a deep freeze the whole winter. So these puppies that were born outside must have attracted every flea in the state. <laughs> oh, right, right. They had blood, you know, before I knew it, all the puppies were covered in fleas. And they're newborns. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it took me a while. I'm thinking about $1,000 worth of oil. <laughs> wow. It took me a while before I came up with a concoction that will treat these 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 fleas on these these newborn puppies without doing harm to these puppies. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm thinking a thousand dollars in oils. I finally came up with a concoction. I I thought I was going to take it commercial. It was so good. <laughs> so, 
you know. And then I found, um, I think Dr. Richards is his name. He had a product out there that was almost the same recipe as mine. <laughs> I think mine was a little safer, but his was so close. I figured I probably couldn't compete with him. Right, you know? right. So how are they uh, as whelpers, the moms? Oh, they're, 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 they're both, it varies. Um, usually they're great, mm-hmm. you know? Um, thinking what I've learned over the years. Um, yeah, usually just, you know, I, I, I had one dog who, she threw a few puppies and then she stopped. And, and you could tell she still had puppies on board. But she 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 dropped three of them, and then she stopped for I think it was like five hours. Five hours later, and she still hadn't thrown another puppy. I got nervous and and called my vet, thinking I had an emergency on my hands, mm-hmm. you know. And um, my vet asked me. She goes. She goes. Um, look at her face. What does she look like? I'm like, you know, she looks normal. She's just laid back and, you know, chilling, you know? And, and she says, does she look nervous? I'm like, no, she doesn't look nervous at all. She goes, let that dog do it in her own time. Mm. And, and and then she says, and don't call me 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right? So I'm like, all right. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. About another five, six hours pass before she starts throwing puppies again. So it was about, it was, man, it was about 10, 11 hours mm-hmm. between puppies that she threw. It's like between the last one and, and the next one, about 11 hours had passed. Wow. But she delivered the other ones without a problem. But I'm thinking every time these girls, you know, I'm thinking they've shown me different, you know, different scenarios, you know. I mean, I've had I've had dogs who, uh, man, the, the whole room is painted red after they have a litter. Mm-hmm. Blood everywhere, you know. Then I had one who, um, man, there was no blood, and she had, I think she had eight puppies, and there was no blood. Um, the first the first puppy she dropped, she whelped. She like yelped before she dropped it, so it's like. <coughs> And she, she spit a puppy out. And the puppy would hit the floor half dry. It's like it had no umbilical. I mean, the umbilical was cut, you know. And, and the puppy's half dry when, when she spits it out and it hits the floor. Right. <laughs> she had eight of them like that. Wow. And I didn't even have to watch because before she had one, she'd go... <laughs> 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 he spit another puppy out. I think after the third puppy, I I, I swung him up across the floor. She had five more. I never I never used that mop again. <laughs> wow. And the room the room is clean. You know she's got eight puppies. Now she's laying there. She's nursing eight puppies, and eight placentas came out of her in one single pile. Just as neat. (laughs) 
I said, virtually no blood involved. <laughs> it's like, so, yeah, it, it, I said, but they're great mothers. I've had, I've had mothers who, uh, man, they wouldn't leave their puppies for like two weeks, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, I mean, would not leave, not even to pee. I'd have to drag them outside just so they could pee. And, and they'd let loose like one drop. They'd run back inside and they'd count all the puppies two, three times. They'd count them all. <laughs> <laughs> and then lay down. And yeah, for two weeks, wouldn't even take a pee nursing those puppies. So they're, they're usually great mothers. Um, not all of them, but nine out of ten are, are awesome mothers. Um, and, and as far as the whelping goes, yeah, it, it all depends. Each one, each one can be a little different. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, haven't had much luck with C-sections. I, I had one C-section done on a female, um, one puppy. One puppy needed a C-section to get it out. But by the time we got it out, it was too late. Mm. I, w- I waited five hours for the ER doc. He said, if I got there a couple hours early, we could have saved it. <laughs> and uh, and the other one, I had a female who was uh, two weeks postpartum. So I took her in and my vet was on vacation and uh, her stand-in didn't want to do it. And I had to beg her, I begged her like all day to go in and do the C-section. And um, she made me wait till the end of the day. She says, well, let's wait till the end of the day, see how she's doing, and we'll take it from there. At the end of the day, you know, she's still the same, nothing. And um, so the vet decided to go in and do the C-section. She pulled six live puppies out. And um, eventually I lost all of them, too. Mm. The mother had a... uh, mother had an infection that was my my first my foundation bitch had um what was what was called pseudomonas and it would affect all her puppies um every every puppy she bore was um yeah was a problem child you know keeping them alive was an issue Mm -hmm. um those six that she pulled out by c-section um when my vet came back it was a new vet, actually. Um, I asked her for some drugs, and uh, she refused to give them to me. And I told her, if I don't get these drugs, I'm going to lose these puppies. And and she wouldn't give them to me. She pretty much hung up on me. Wouldn't even give me a box of salt, nothing. Wow. And, and um, I lose them all in record time. And um, I called her the next week. Because um, I had a daughter of hers who had just had a litter too, so this was next generation, and I called her and I told her, "Well, I want these puppies. I want you to give them the once over, give them a quick exam, just you know, because I wanted to make sure what I went through with her mother, you know, wasn't going to be an issue." So I took her in, you know, just for an exam, and. Um, yeah, but, but, and since then, since the you know the mother and her pseudomonas, I never had that issue again. Never had it with another uh, 
another one of my girls. Just, just the first one, the foundation pitch. Mm. Everything after that was superb health. Picture of health. They were so healthy, it, it drove me crazy because I sat around doing nothing but twiddling my thumbs, watching them grow. Right. There's nothing for me to do. All the sissies puppies, man, I worked like a dog to keep those puppies around. Mm. It's like, man, hand feeding, you know? Two weeks, no sleep, mm-hmm. you know, and, and still lose some, you know. But, um, yeah, her survivors, it's like her, her first two survivors ended up champions, you know, and that was um, out of a literate sense. She had two survivors. Both of those ended up champions. Wow. Yeah, one, one was the second winningest one in the country back in his day, you know. It's like... Uh, but it's like I said, I lost eight of those of those litter mates though, and it's like you always lose the best ones first. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like the ones that were left weren't weren't the, the cream of that crop, but they still ended up being finished in their in their own rights. How many uh, puppies do you average a litter? Um, that's a good question. And that depends too. Um, I'm thinking um, the food may have a lot to do with that. When I was feeding, uh, when I was feeding solid gold, yeah, a dozen average. On average, I had one male who threw me 49 puppies in four litters. And he came from a line of males too. All, all of his, um, all the males before him, always threw double digits, like no less than ten puppies. And he gave me, he gave me forty nine and four litters, like ten, twelve, thirteen, and fourteen. Um, I think the food might have had something to do with that. Um, we had a lot to do with it. Um, yeah, you never can tell. I think when I when I switched off of solid gold, I, I the the average number um, got lower on my letters. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think the solid gold may have played a big part in it. Very good food. I just can't afford to feed it anymore. Even even if it does give you 12 13 every pop <laughs> right right you know it's like it just got too expensive but it, it was a very good food um i um I, I guess it's still pretty similar i think they changed owners um the original owner was uh was pretty good she was a nutritionist um by profession and her food was considered the best in the world and a lot of the foods today are pretty much some sort of um, imitation of what she was doing for a long, long time. You know, it's like a lot of these holistic foods today are, are pretty much copies of what she was doing. Mm-hmm. For a prospective buyer of one of your puppies that's never had a Bordeaux before, what would be some of the questions you would ask and? What are some of the things that you would would uh, inform them about the proper care and what to expect from from uh, 
full grown adult Bordeaux? Well, I uh, I would hope if they're if they're looking that they know a little about the dogs already. Mm-hmm. I pretty much don't ask many questions. I give them a, I give them a price. It's um my price is um not on the cheaper end. You know, I'm the first one to tell them that uh, you can find cheaper puppies out there. You know, you're just looking for a puppy just looking for a pet, you know, and, you know, the cheaper ones. Um, so I try to keep my price up to uh, ensure that they, they go to good homes. Mm-hmm. No guarantee, but I think it's as good as um, any questions you might ask. Because um, they probably got a list, of, a list of answers they think you want to hear already. Right. Um, but, um I, I do give them a pamphlet with the puppies, which I go through their history um, and and nutrition and, and training, and I try to um, give them an idea of what they're into. I believe that these puppies, you know, regardless of what kind of dog you're looking for, that these puppies can pretty much fill that need. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, had, I've had people take them and turn them into service dogs, um, I'm thinking back in the 90s, there was one who took the New Finland, the New Finland uh, water rescue test and passed it. Wow. Um, back then, late 90s, um, there was one that was world champion in polling, beat the English Masters champion. Um, I think it was over 4,000 pounds dead weight he pulled. Wow. Uh, and, you know, the show dogs. I don't know how good they are at show dogs, you know. But they've been taking Westminster lately. <laughs> so who knows, you know? It's like, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, um, I've, 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 I haven't had many of them come back to me, put it like that. Right. You know? There haven't been many who have tried to return dogs, but every now and then one comes back. The female I just bred here was a was a throwback. She came back to me um, over over a fight with another dog she lived with, fighting over food when you know the owners were away. And I guess it got a little bloody. It, she tore little bulldog's ear, scratched up or something. I don't know, but um, they got young kids in the house. And they figured. You know, their kids were so young that dog fighting, especially with a, you know, Bordeaux <laughs> involved, was not the best situation for them. So she came back, um, and yeah, there hasn't been a lot of other ones who have come back this way. I had one guy; he got mad. He had just shampooed the carpet, and uh, came home from work, and the dog had, had pooped on the on the carpet. You just just cleaned the day before, like went at a steam cleaner or something. <laughs> so that one ended up coming back too, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but other than that, yeah, people usually um yeah, usually fall in love and they usually sit right in. So I don't think there's really a lot to tell people. Um, you know, most of my dogs got great temperaments. Um this girl that came back, I don't know, she's she's got a little too much temperament she doesn't back down to anything 
she came into my house. She wasn't born here. Um, she's out of my lines, but she was born at somebody else's house. And the first time she saw my house is when I, I brought her back in. Um, but all my other dogs were born here. They were raised here. They're like family. This one comes in and, and, and she kind of stood her ground to all of them, the whole pack. <laughs> it's like, she does not back down. You know, um, after she had the pups, they all beat her up. They got her one day, they jumped her. Like the rest of my dogs jumped on her. They didn't, they, they, they scratched her up a bit, but they didn't really hurt her. You know, I said, I'm, I'm trying to tell everybody they weren't trying to hurt her. They were just trying to put her in her place. You know, if they was trying to hurt her, they would have hurt her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they were just trying to initiate her, I think. Right. <laughs> let her know. Yeah. yeah, let her know. Yeah, this is still our house, you know. Yeah. They're, they're kind of met. They're all jealous of the litter she had, you know. Everybody wants to claim her puppies. I think people people have to learn about these dogs. Um, and I wish them luck with it. It's like, like my first one, I never had it on a leash. And I took him everywhere. And I don't know how I ever got away with all that. But <laughs> yeah. But we went everywhere. You know, we stayed in hotels, you know. We went out to concerts at the park. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, he was never on a lead. He was always by my side. If I called him, he was there. And he was, I said, he had more sense than most people have. Right. So, you know, um, I don't really know what to tell people other than the dog is going to be what you make him be. I tell him one thing you don't want to make him is, is a protection dog. You don't want to train him for protection because, for one, they're good at it. And, and most importantly, they're stubborn. And, and teaching, them, teaching them to protect, teaching them to attack and all that is easy, but teaching them to stop could be impossible. So you don't want to teach it to them because you want to be able to control it. And, and if you teach them that, it becomes a game to them. They become very efficient at it and getting them to stop, you know, if they're hard-headed, they don't listen. You know, it's easy to teach them. Doesn't mean they're going to listen to you. You know, I tell people they think you're, they think they're smarter than you are. Right. They know what they can get away with. And um, the first one I had, his father was trained um, like a soldier. The breeder was Army Canine Corps. And he bred his, he trained his father to kill and um, as a result, his father spent his life locked up in a shed. And I, I got a peek of him one day, and he was, man, he was, I thought I thought his son was awesome, but um, he, he was even more so. Um, yeah, he made, he made his son look weak. And, and I don't know of another dog that made his son look weak like that, but his father was a beast all muscle. Um, I got a peek of at him one day and and his owner told me, he said, um, he says, I have to keep him locked in there because if he saw you in the yard, 
he'd want to rip your head off. He's got a one-track mind, and, and that's to, to take your head off. He says, I, I taught him how to kill, and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't get him to break. He won't stop it. <laughs> and he's got a one-track mind now. You know, he was taught how to kill a man. That's all he wants to do. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's the one thing I advise him against is, you know, protection training is, if, if that's what you want to do with the dog, it's not the dog you want. You know, it's like, uh, you know, and if it is, then I hope you know what you're doing. Because, you know, I, there's professionals out there that will tell you not to. Don't even think about it. Yeah, they've got a protective instinct in them. Like and it it doesn't need to be tweaked any. Like I said, if you're going to tweak it, I hope you know what you're doing because um, these are a lot of dogs to try to handle, you know? Yeah. Like I said, pulling pulling champions, you know, 4,000 pounds dead weight, and you try to hold that dog back. Yeah, forget it. They can be something else. But like I said, if you just raise them normally, I think their natural instincts are plenty for, for you know, for most situations, I don't think you need much more than a Bordeaux around. But then again, you probably don't need much more than a Chihuahua around for most people, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a dog yapping is, is enough protection for most people. Yeah, for sure. These guys have good instincts, though, good senses about them. Every now and then they come across somebody they just don't like. <laughs> <laughs> But usually that's that's somebody who just doesn't like them either. You know? Right, yeah. You know, it's like it seems to me every time they find somebody like that, there's a, there seems to be a reason for it. You know, sometimes, you know, the guy's obviously guilty of something. You know? <laughs> Other times it's just they're just shaking like a leaf. They're scared to death. So the dog probably figures they're up to no good. Must be the bad guy. Look at them. They're over there shaking they must have did it. <laughs> if, you're, if you're breeding to make money, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you're going to need a lot of luck. In the beginning, I didn't have a whole lot of that. You know, it's like in the beginning, I've, I've learned a lot of lessons. Um, but having puppies was no easy task. Right. And definitely wasn't profitable. Um I figured, I estimate that I must have spent a couple hundred thousand before I made a dime. Right. But like I said, in, in the beginning, I had, I had, um, I had a problem situation. It wasn't easy to, to deal with. If it wasn't for the vet I had, I don't think I would have ever made it this far. I fired six vets when I started. And um, then the seventh one was the one who schooled me. You know, we put a name on what I was dealing with, gave me, you know, gave me a treatment protocol and, and built me up from there. But yeah, the first time I bred, it was, it was total disaster. It's like hundred percent mortality. Mm -hmm. I'm not fun. Right. And the thing is, I, I, I thought that before it came, it's like before the puppies were born, I took the dog to a vet and and she had a discharge and i asked him about the discharge and he told me oh it's nothing to worry about it's very benign 
as long as you're not reading her. And I said, Doc, I'm like, she's pregnant. And he, and he said, no, she's not. And I'm like, Doc, she's pregnant. She's due in two weeks. And he looks at her and he tells me, no, she's not pregnant. And I said, Doc, I said, listen, I know she's in good shape, but she's pregnant and she's due in two weeks. <laughs> she goes, no, she's not pregnant. And I'm like, Doc, I raised this girl from a puppy. <laughs> I'm telling you, she's pregnant. She's due in two weeks. And he goes, she's not pregnant. I'll bet my license on her. And I was like, you know, I don't even know how to argue with you. You know, you're talking to smack. You bet your license. I'm telling you, she's pregnant. You haven't even touched her. And you're going to tell me she's not. Mm. Um, let me get out of here, right? Well, two weeks later, she had her puppies. She had six of them. And because of that discharge she had, they all died. Mm. Yeah, and that was my introduction to breeding dog D-Bordeaux, right. you know? <laughs> yeah. And that vet, I'm like, well, what was his license worth? <laughs> right. So I'm thinking I fired him. I fired another five after him. And I was I was going to see vets and I was like, just give me the bill and make it good. Because you're not going to see me in this office again. <laughs> this is your one and only shot. So bill me. You better bill me, make it right because I'm not coming back here. Mm -hmm. And I did that with, with half a dozen vets. And I found one. And, yeah, she schooled me. She put a name on it, you know. She ran. She ran some tests and, and uh, gave me some meds and started treating it. And yeah, and and yeah, and took me and yeah, got me on, got me on the right footing. She was a she was a reproductive specialist, by the way. Right. And, and um, yeah, she was um, she was something else. It wasn't your average vet. Mm -hmm. She said she had a client who would come up here to Connecticut once a year with all of her dogs from Florida. She'd make a trip up here with all her dogs just so this woman could um, give them a physical, give them a yearly exam. Wow. Yeah, that's how bad she was. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine collecting all your dogs in Florida and heading up to Connecticut. No. Just for, just for a vet appointment. Yeah, she was she was that good. Her X-ray machine was built into the floor. Oh yeah, that makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Problem solved, huh? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, and nobody. Wait, I haven't seen anybody copy her yet. Mm -hmm. And if they do, she ought to strike them down. She's not with us anymore. Right, right. right. <laughs> but, but her X-ray setup was the cat's meow, you know? Yeah. I mean, man, you couldn't ask for anything more, especially with the masters. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, you know, it's like, a, I'm thinking a horse or, you know, any other big animal. Yeah, you want, yeah, set up in the floor is perfect. <laughs> yeah. Only makes sense. Yeah. 
if you had all the time and money and and that wasn't an issue and what would be the second breed you'd put on your yard and wow. why <laughs> wow wow at my age I don't know about <laughs> <laughs> you know i think my age would be a consideration because yeah. there's a lot there's a quite a few breeds out there I wouldn't have handled. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't handle at this age. But, you know, if age wasn't a factor, just a, a dog in my heart, it's like, I think I think I wouldn't be with these guys for 30 years now if, um, if they weren't it. Yeah. But I'm thinking, I remember when the Connie Corso first started taking off. Mm-hmm. There was one in particular who was... Um, he was he was being shown at the time I looked into him, um, but he was all black except for his limbs. His uh, all four of his limbs were black and white brindle, and just the look of him, yeah, I fell for that one. Um, the Connie Corso is a breed, not so much, mm-hmm. but but maybe, you know, yeah. Maybe just because I think they should, they, they, you know, I, I heard it was, it was pretty much a scam that was thrown together, you know, by the, the breeders who claim they found them. But regardless of whether it is or isn't, I think, um, you know, I think it is. I think the guy I heard it from, I think was a reliable source. And I think, um, you know, it was a made up breed all of a sudden appeared like magic. <laughs> but I think if, if what they did is true, then it should be a healthier breed, you know, just because of, you know, what's involved in it. It should have uh, more longevity and more stamina than the Bordeaux that we're working with. Um, not sure yet. I think time will tell. Um, I used to think about breeds that would... Um, enhance the Bordeaux, something I could mix with them, mm-hmm. you know, because when I started, there was only 63 of them registered in the country. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, back then it was a matter of bloodline was a big concern, you know, just having enough blood to go around. And, um, I always, you know, kind of entertained the thought of introducing new blood, you know, doing the total outcross on these guys. Mm-hmm. And, used to imagine what would you use if you were going to bring in some more blood what would it be you know wouldn't be the bulldog we've been trying to get that blood out ever since we put it in mm-hmm. <laughs> and um but i was thinking i don't know maybe the ridgeback you know I, I i mentioned that to a ridgeback breeder and and she liked to run me off her place you know <laughs> and uh i don't know it's like the um the Connie Corso is interesting. Um, no, the, the the Malinois, I think, is way too much dog for most people. But if I was in my 20s, you know, maybe. Um, a lot of dog, though. It's like it's like it's like when I um, when I found the Bordeaux, it's like I wasn't looking for a Bordeaux. I was looking for a Rottweiler and for, you know, all the stereotypical reasons, you know. I wanted I wanted a guard dog. Mm-hmm. Didn't really need one, but you know, I guess I would have felt more comfortable being out in the country having that guard dog around. You know, so um, 
yeah, I thought I wanted a guard dog, but um, I'm thinking um, that Roddy puppy ended up staying with me. And yeah, he was he was a stone guard dog, and he was too much. You know, he was a bit more than what I or anybody else needed, really. He was ready to guard anything. Yeah. <laughs> and every, you know, I mean, a lot of the Rottweilers today don't really have that drive in them. But no, he had a guard dog drive. Um. So the things I think I might want are probably things I'd, I'd probably be mistaken about. You know, I think the Bordeaux, I said, I've spent half my life with these guys. And, um, yeah, I really don't look at other dogs. You know, yeah. if I do, I compare them to these. And I don't think any of them overall offer what these guys offer. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, their temperament and everything else, their temperament, their intelligence, you know, I take some things away, like their stubbornness. And, um, but you know, you can, you can work with that with training and everything, you know, I pretty much let my other dogs raise my dogs. So, you know, out of the problems I have with mine are, are pretty much my own fault, you know, not putting the time in these guys. I kind of, I kind of let them throw their weight around as they want to and replacing them with another breed. No, I'm not, I'm not really done with this one yet. Yeah, they're listen, I had dogs before a Bordeaux, but the Bordeaux, man, I tell people, you know, I, I tell them when I don't have puppies, it's like, um, I guess the economy has affected me because my phone doesn't blow up the way it used to. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, um, for a long time, you know, even after I had puppies, my phone would ring for the next three months. People still looking. Now I'm, I'm lucky if I have them on the floor and offering them, you know, it's hard to get those calls in. You know, there's a lot more Bordeaux around, a lot more breeders. They're everywhere. But back when I first started, if I didn't have puppies, I'd, I'd um, you know, tell them, you know, well, you can find them elsewhere and, and a lot cheaper than what... I'm offering them for, you know, um, but I told, always tell them to take your time. If you're looking, you know, try to get one as healthy as possible, especially back then, you know, when the issues seem, their health issues seem to be a lot more prevalent. Um, and I tell them the reason being is, you know, if you get, if you get this puppy, it's going to attach itself to your heart. You know, it's going to, that's the first thing it's going to do is it's going to attach itself to your heart. Mm -hmm. And if something should go wrong, it should get sick, have some issues. I said, your, your, your wallet is going to follow. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I would caution people against. Don't go out there and rush in to get just any puppy. Make sure you get the healthiest specimen you can get, mm -hmm. especially if dealing with a breed like this. You know, you don't want to have a problem child. You want to have, you know, the best puppy you can get your hands on, the best one you can afford. That's what you want to start with. You might get lucky and find a dog that's being sold too cheap and be a picture of health. But 
I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of problem childs out there, even if you're dealing with reputable breeders. Some of the worst cases came from reputable dealers that I've heard of. Mm-hmm. You know? And um I tried to I tried to defend them saying, you know, there was one breeder, I'm like, well, she's produced a lot of champions. I mean, probably more champions in this country than anybody else. And it was um, a doctor, a veterinarian, had called me about a puppy she had got from this woman. And it had skin problems. Um, it had hip problems. It, and uh, had seizures. Hip seizures, skin. I think that was it. You know, and um, this dog of hers, she said, had the nerve to have a uh, a seizure in the middle of her Christmas party and died. Wow. And, um, you know, and um, yeah, all she wanted was a dog that wouldn't have seizures. <laughs> and I kind of laughed at that. And um, and she was a veterinarian, too. And I told her, I said, you know, that Bordeaux, that Bordeaux gave you just what you deserved i mean that bordeaux he threw the book at you Mm -hmm. and and there was nothing you could do for him i was like wow you're a doctor there's nothing you could do to help that bordeaux that's our dilemma with these guys you know Mm -hmm. it's like not just producing them it's producing them healthy and making them healthier and and you know give them that giving them that stamina here it is a bet and yeah all she could do was watch the dog die in the middle of her party but um, the breeder who bred it, I said, had had a lot of champions that she produced. And I'm like, you, it's like I don't know what you say. It's like, you know, this, you know, got to take the good with the bad or what? She produced a lot of a lot of animals, and that was probably, you know, the biggest part of the problem is um, she produced so many. I don't know if she had the quality control. You know, she could have had, you know, I think she produced so many that, you know, it's like, hey, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose type of thing. I don't know. There's um, breeders in every state these days. Um, I can't fly them anywhere as easily anymore. You know, it's like I used to fly them all over the country out. You know, I flew one to Europe, a couple to South America, the Caribbean. I can't fly them like that anymore. It's like, you're lucky if they'll let them on the plane. Yeah. It, it wasn't the economy. It was the rules they put into place. And um, a lot of things. It's like, I, I, man, none of my dogs used to sell locally. I used to fly them everywhere, you know, all over the country, outside of the country. It's like um, very few of my dogs ever sold locally now. They're all selling locally. Yeah. The economy, who knows? I said, I think it's more than just the economy. I I thought the market was dead 15 years ago. And and every year since then, you know? I'm like, that's it. We've we've gone too far. There's too many of them out there. They're going to kill the market, you know? And um, I don't know, it never really seems to happen. You know, it's like, and the, somebody, one of the first breeders I bred with um, 
told me that um, uh, Charlie Charlie Warnick he said um, that these dogs seem to keep their numbers in check and this is back this is 30 years ago back when you know I said you didn't have as many bloodlines um, there was the health issues were running pretty rampant and um, he figured you know they weren't easy to breed you know um, he figured you know they keep their own numbers in check that we'd never have a problem with overpopulating these guys because you know they've got a short lifespan they've got their health issues you know um, and the bloodlines they were they were still a rare breed back then too so you know I don't think anybody saw it getting this far you know and as far as the market, the economy, and where these guys stand, I'm not sure. I said, I think we're out of business every year. Right. You know, because every, I know, I know where all these breeders are, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like, and it seems like everybody and their mother's trying to have puppies, you know, I try not to pay too much attention to it, you know. I don't, I don't pay attention to the other breeders anymore. I, I, I should. But, you know, I'm thinking even if I did, I don't know if the information you get from them is going to be um, legitimate or not, you know? It's like when you talk about health and bloodlines and all that, I said pretty much even breeders are going to tell you what you want to hear. It's like I'm pretty honest about mine, but I don't know how many other breeders would be, you know? Here's a good example. It's like a doctor in Florida had a dog that um, he had he had a pen hip evaluation done on him. And she had an OFA evaluation done. Right? And um, the OFA evaluation gave this, this Bordeaux um, excellent hip rating. Like, like totally excellent. Like A++. Plus plus. <laughs> But the um, the pinhead rating was it was one of the lowest on the list of pinheads. You know, the laxity was one, like one of the, the biggest ones on pen of dogs that you know were certified. And um, I called her and I asked her <laughs> what the story was. <laughs> you know, how can you have an excellent? It's like the only other Bordeaux I heard of that should have got an excellent was. Um, was was the champion I produced, Mumbo. Um, the the vet that took the X-rays said that he had the best hips he had ever seen, and he sent the X-rays off to OFA, and they they lost the X-ray. <laughs> so he had to take the pictures all over again and send them back to OFA, and I think he got like a fair rating on his hips, you know just like average when it was all said and done. Now this woman who's a vet down in Florida, she gets an excellent rating from him. But at this time they have the pin hip and the pin hip does more precise measurements and it was like one of the lowest on the list in pin hip. And I'm like, so how do you get this excellent from OFA and you got one of the lowest ratings out there on pin hip? I'm like, I, <laughs> something doesn't add up here. Yeah. And what's going on? And she's like, well, hey, it is what it is. I'm like, all right, whatever. 
you know, I'm thinking it is what it is. I'm thinking, yeah, and you are a vet, so who knows what it is, you know? Friends in high places or something, I don't know. But something didn't seem to add up. So, you know, even even with the official criteria, you never really know what you're doing with. It's like whether you're shopping for puppies or a stud or anything else. It's like you got you to gotta take a look at the dog and um, make your best judgments. I don't think you're going to get access to, like, medical records and stuff, even if you wanted to. I said I've had vets lie to me about, I mean, not vets, but owners lie to me about, you know, the credentials on their dogs. It's like, you know, easy to fall for it. All right, eight months old. I said, he's eight months old. I never taught him anything. All right? We've gone everywhere. He's with me, you know. Anytime I'm not working, we're out and about. But um, we come home. He's eight months old. I come up to my front door, and I open the door, and I look at him, and I told him, I said, um, I said, go check it out. And he went in my house and he did a police search around my entire house and came back to the front door. Left me in shock. Right. I'm like, I can't believe this dog just sniffed every closet, went in every room, every corner. (laughs) I never taught him nothing. He's eight months old and he just did a sweep of my house. That's awesome. But he was, he was, he was something else. Mm-hmm. Another day, I, I come home. I told him, go around the back of the house. He ran around the back of the house. I go through the house. I, I look out the back, back porch, and he's sitting there in the backyard. <laughs> Never trained him. Just asked him, and he bang, bang, boom, he's on it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those are the he, kinds of dogs you usually well. Incredible dog. Yeah. And these, I said, these other guys, they all have that potential. It's just a matter of if you have the time for them, mm-hmm. you know, and their lifespan, yeah, it's pretty devastating. You know, 10 years, even at 10 years, man, I think, you know, I don't know. 10 years out of these guys still isn't long enough. It's like, uh, yeah, they're they're amazing specimens. Yeah.